All right. So again, a different morning. Um, no, no sermon in a maybe typical sense. What I want to do is share a few words here at the beginning, lead us into a time of reflection, um, some music again, a little bit more reflection and prayer, and then we'll, we'll be on our way. The, the point of this morning, and I'll be honest, really the point of any time that we gather on Sunday morning, whether we're together for 30 minutes in worship or an hour and 15 or it looks like a normal morning or it looks like something different. I think the reason why we gather and what Teresa and I often talk about when we think about what to do on Sunday, we gather so that we can recenter our hearts and minds on what is good and beautiful and true. Because during the week, our hearts and minds get pulled and pushed and tugged in a myriad of directions. And it's hard to stay centered. Um, and so when we gather together, what we do by singing or praying or reflecting or reading, whatever we might do, is we help each other recenter again on what is good and beautiful and true. And so we're going to do that this morning in a couple of different ways. Let me begin by asking you a question. I'd love your feedback. Uh, I'd love to hear your voices, your answers to this. Um, what does the word home mean to you? What comfort? Familiar. Family? Traditions? Long hugs? Mom hugs? Long hugs from mom? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Warm, and I imagine you're talking about more than temperature, probably, yeah, okay. What's that? Favor? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, good. Anything else? Sanctuary? Yeah. So, home, it would seem, even just in this brief little kind of survey and sharing is is in some sense a literal place of course a place with four walls and a roof home is uh, it has an address right but it is much more than that and when we think about home we think about more than just a physical structure um, home is where we feel comfort where we feel safe, maybe where we feel that we belong, where we can be ourselves, where we have what we need, right? It's interesting that in the stories leading up to Jesus' birth, home is talked about in both ways, both literally, a literal physical homes play a role in the story of Jesus' birth, but home is talked about more broadly as well. Think about the literal ways. Mary is, um, finds out that she's pregnant so she leaves her home and travels to the home a physical place where Elizabeth lives Mary and Joseph leave their home in Nazareth to travel to Dave um, to Joseph's ancestral home place to place they have to flee to Egypt and make a home there for a while while they flee Herod so an actual place a home 
a physical structure is important in the story. It kind of shows up again and again, but there is, of course, something bigger going on. Because in the birth of Jesus, one of the things that we celebrate or that we claim is that God has chosen to make a home among us. That God has come to us, God in the flesh. As uh, John 1 says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus is making a home here among us. And this is much more than any physical structure or, or a particular address or geography. This is home in the broadest sense. Christ is inviting us to come home, to find belonging to discover that we have what we need. He's creating a space for us to be whole and safe and cared for. And it's not just for us, of course. What Jesus is coming to do in his birth is to create a world where heaven has come to earth. I don't have to tell you, though, that we know that this world is not fully here yet, is it? And this, this at least... Well, I know all of you well enough, or I know most of you well enough to know that I know that this breaks your heart. We know that some people, of course, don't have a literal home, four walls and a roof, or they don't have enough food. They are not safe. And we know that this is not the way that things are supposed to be. So literal homes are, are absent. There is physical need in our world we know this. We also know that lots of people who have an address aren't really at home in the broad sense of the word. And we've felt this. I imagine all of us have. We feel lost. We feel confused. We feel hopeless. We're not sure where or if we belong. We don't know what to do or where to go. And so, yes, Christ has come to bring heaven to earth. But that world is not yet here fully. So we feel a bit homesick, I think you could say. Anybody remember a time when they felt homesick? Anybody remember a time? See some nods of heads. I mean, we've probably experienced this, each of us, in our own ways. When I went to college, um, my mom and three younger brothers dropped me off up at Central Michigan in Mount Pleasant. And a few days later, they packed up all of our family's belongings and moved to Virginia. And as Christmas time came near and semester break came, I was really finding myself homesick, right? But I wasn't homesick for a house, a, a four walls and a roof, although I had seen pictures of this new home that my mom had purchased in Virginia, but this house didn't carry any meaning to me. I had never been in it. So I wasn't homesick for a physical structure. My heart ached instead for home in the broadest sense. I was homesick for laughter and for shared food and stories and for, again, as we talked about a few moments ago, long hugs and comfort and safety. I wonder how each of us might be homesick today. What do our hearts long for? Where is there an ache for something 
in your life or in the world that is not yet as it should be. I want to invite you to join in a prayer here together. Bethany's going to lead us in this. The prayer begins with these words. Can one be homesick for something you've never known? It's a really interesting question. In other words, we've never actually experienced a world where everything is as it should be. We get bits and pieces of it, glimpses of joy and wholeness and safety and belonging. We experience that sometimes, but not all the time. So, you know, can one be homesick for something you've never known? I, I think we, we can. And we'll respond to that in this prayer here for a moment. So, Bethany, there you are. If you would come and lead us in this prayer, there's a bit of silence in it where we'll each have a chance to pray quietly, whatever we may want to pray. Let's join in this together. Bethany's going to read some parts. We'll have other parts to read ourselves to. So we have uh, spent a little bit of time this morning offering prayers of lament, which is an important part of recentering our heart and our mind. It's important to be honest about how we're feeling and to not try and hide that or cover it up, both with each other and with God. So that was part one. Here's the second part, though. It's the other side of the coin, and it's, it's about hope, as you just heard. The first Sunday of Advent is traditionally about hope, and we're we're stepping into that theme here together this morning. So there's this thing called the lectionary. You heard of this? It's a way of, or- oh, some people love it apparently, wow. It's a, it's a way of organizing the Bible uh, where every day there's an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, usually something from the gospel, usually a psalm. And over the course of three years, if you follow the lectionary, you get through most of the Bible. Uh, A lot of churches use the lectionary to preach from on Sunday mornings, and we're doing that here during Advent. That isn't always the case for us on Sunday morning, but it is uh, here today. And one of the texts for today is 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 to 13, and I'm just going to read it here uh, and then make a couple of comments about it. So how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May God strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So Paul, who most believe, wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, I would say, sounds a bit homesick. You can hear, at least I can, I think his heartache and longing to see the people that he misses dearly. Paul had spent some time in this ancient city of Thessalonica, but he left 
to do other things in other places, yet his heart longs to be with these folks. Listen again, how we thank God for you. Night and day we pray that we can see you again. May God bring us to you very soon. Paul's homesick. And yet in this absence and in this distance, Paul holds out hope. Verse 12, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. It's as if Paul is saying, we're not together, and I'm homesick over that, and yet there is hope, hope that in our absence from each other, you are not alone. That while there is distance between us, there is not distance between you and God. And if you open yourself to God, God is ready to bring change, to reshape your heart so that your love for each other and for all people will overflow. I love that word, overflow. In other words, the hope isn't that there would be just enough the hope is that there would be an abundance. An abundance of love, even in the midst of separation and distance. Verse 13 says, May God strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Paul says, not only is my hope for you that your love would overflow for each other and for all people, but that you would gain strength, not lose strength in the midst of our homesickness, that your heart would become blameless. In other words, your heart would look more and more like the heart of Christ. There's so much, being, so much hope being poured out to these friends in Thessalonica. And I think... You know, earlier we lamented on why we might be homesick, on what is not as it should be. And that's important, as I said. But the other side of that coin is hope. So you can, you can look around at the world and easily spot all of the ways in which there is deficit and, and lacking and inequity and injustice. And we should notice those things and lament them. But I don't think we should just see the absence only. I think we're invited to be people who hold hope for what could be. And so Paul says, may God strengthen your heart. May love overflow for all people. It's a blessing and a prayer. So I want to invite you, just as we offered prayers of lament, I want to invite you here for a moment to offer prayers of hope. What do you hope for? We can see what is not as it should be. What would it look like if things were as they should be? What is our hope for what may come? both in our lives and in the world around us. I would just invite you in these moments of silence here, these few moments,
to offer whatever words may come to your mind, whatever images may be stirred as prayers of hope this morning. God, may you strengthen our hearts so that we might be hopeful people. And may you help love to overflow in us, not just for each other, those of us here in this community, but for all people everywhere. We ask this in Jesus' name.